Now, the Wealth Protection Diva is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating. Her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. Tax preparation cannot be ignored without a real mess later. No matter how hard you may wish it wouldn't, tax season always comes around. When it comes to tax planning at the end of the year, you have at your disposal a wide variety of tactics to make sure your tax bill for 2014 is just right. Tim Nelson prides himself on being a CPA with a sense of humor. Under the Excel spreadsheets and payroll forms, Tim finds a way to make sense of the numbers for you. Be it IRS representation, individual and small business tax preparation, or small business financial consulting, he can help you. Tim calculates the numbers so you can spend your time doing whatever it is that you enjoy doing. His company, Evans Nelson & Company CPAs, is different from most firms. They believe that when you hire them, you get a team that is concerned with more than the process. They work to help individuals save money and time and businesses to increase their profits. Well, Tim, welcome. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks for having me on the show. It's uh, great to be here and uh, great to see uh, that you have the show going great uh, for so many years. I know. I dig it. So, October... Not December and certainly not January is the perfect month to start estimating your tax situation for 2014. So, Dim, what should I be thinking about right now? You know, keeping on top of your business uh, is is key all the time. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit more in the later segments, but uh, from a tax planning standpoint, there is no bad time to be able to do that. Knowing what's going on in your own world from a financial standpoint uh, leads to, you know, uh, better profitability, better savings, better money left in your pocket by the time it's all done. Uh, key, key. I mean, uh, as a financial guy, I lend toward that uh, bent anyway from a, an outside CPA. I spent too many years uh, on the company side. Uh, So I spent about a decade of my life in corporate America worrying about that next payroll, worrying about tax planning, worrying about uh, returns to the shareholders. And uh, now on the CPA side, I can bring that to bear uh, in terms of helping people save money. All right. But do you find it interesting? Because I find it interesting. You know, I help a lot of people start businesses and you know, they're all excited because they have the vision, they've got a dream, they they really have a maybe a superb product or a service. And then when you say, oh, and the next step is to get your bookkeeping set up, and then you just hear the, the air deflate out of the balloon, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. One lady told me one time, she said, hey, do I look like I have Wonder Woman bracers on? <laughs> And I said, Wonder Woman bracers, why, why, why are you talking? It's like a change of subject. And she goes, because if I had to do that, I would slash my wrists. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's, it's huge in business. And so we'll, we'll talk more about that later, too. But I really want to talk about the tax planning point. I mean, I am a huge advocate, have been for many years, and really attribute the reason that I pay no tax is because I start heavily thinking about it this month. 
and really reaching out to the CPA, really understanding where are we at now, where are we going to end up by December 31st, is a big giant difference in dollars out of my pocket. Absolutely. The more time that you have uh, to see what's coming down the pipeline, the more opportunities you have for planning. If you have a big income year this year, and you predict that next year is not going to be as big income. Well, let's start delaying the receipt of those. Don't invoice your customers for a month and a half, or don't deposit those deposits until January of 2016, uh, you know, that kind of thing. What other expenses can we pay this year to try and offset that? So if you have two and a half months instead of two and a half days, you have just a world of opportunity to help yourself out the uh, in the current year and into the future years. Right. Well, and of course, part of, you know, what you do for your clients certainly is, you know, I don't know the tax code and well, I do, but that's my business. Uh, Most people don't enjoy understanding the tax code as much as I do. And I only enjoy it because I want to know what I can write off, not anything I can't do. right? Right. And so I don't know though, because the rules, the regulations, things are constantly changing every year. You guys got to be tuned into all that all these things that I might miss, I might not write off because I have no idea it exists. So how often do you see that? Uh, Daily. Uh, Businesses come in to me all the time and say, what else can I be doing? And it's it's really, there is no limitation, and I condition that, uh, but there really is no limitation on what you can write off. The rules for writing something off is tying it into the trader business, and then meeting the ordinary, necessary, and reasonableness tests. So if it's ordinary for your business, if it's necessary for your business, if it's reasonable. So if you have a you know convention in Las Vegas uh, and you fly down there in a commercial airline, no problem. If you go in a private jet, still could be deductible, but you better have a darn good reason why you're doing that. So tying it into that uh, tied to your business and ordinary, necessary, and reasonable, we can find a way to write up almost anything. Right. Well, and then plus those great credits and other items that, again, I would have no familiarity with, you know, but you guys do. So like equipment or charitable contributions or all those other things that I might not be thinking about. Yeah. And it depends on how engaged the owner is as to how far we can get into that. Uh, there's a great tax court case now for the domestic production activities deduction, which allows you to write off your rent and your wages and all that kind of stuff as one deduction and you effectively get a second deduction into domestic activities designed to have U.S. manufacturers help compete against kind of their international brethren. Well, this tax court case that I just uh, mentioned was a gift wrapping service. So they bought all the little, you know, gift basket uh, things, um, but they bought them. And so the only manufacturing they did, the only was assembling the gift baskets and it was upheld on audit. And so they effectively got what amounted to about a 9% additional deduction on their tax return uh, for uh, the creativity of their accountant to apply those rules creatively to their business. Wow. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to the Sherry Hill Show with guest Tim Nelson, CPA. And of course, right now we're talking about tax planning through year end because it is so critical 
And this is when we get really busy because people are freaked out and they're like, oh my gosh, I have to pay so much tax this year. So certainly as an individual, there isn't a lot that we can do because if we get a paycheck, we get to get the paycheck, our taxes are out and we get to spend what's left. But as a business owner, I mean, this is where it really and can dramatically change the end result. So to be prepared, A is, you know, talk very quickly about why I should not do my own taxes. Uh, Best example I have of that is I bought out a CPA practice about six years ago, and the owner of the CPA practice uh, got audited about three years after that from a different venture that he had, a convenience store, and he hired me to represent him. The problem is, uh, even though he knew the rules, it was three or four years ago. Tax laws change every year. Second thing is, when you're representing yourself, uh, the adage is you have a fool for a client. You know all the answers. There's no opportunity to strategize. There's no opportunity to uh, devise the best way for getting through this morass. And so getting expert help, uh, somebody like me, who's... uh, profession demands that he attend a minimum of uh, 40 hours a year uh, keeping up to all of this. Last year, I did 96. So Overachiever. (laughs) (laughs) But that's good. (laughs) But it's those nuances. If I can find the one little thing that will help your business, your industry, your, uh, in the words of what uh, Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? If I can find the one thing that will save you it could be hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, then it's worth uh, that extra time spent. If you're doing it yourself, I think the instructions for the 1040 this year, I always like to look at them because uh, it amuses me. But at the very start of the uh, instructions for the 1040 says, if you're doing it yourself, learning about the law is 40 something hours and preparing your tax return is 18 something hours. And so if you're really doing it right, if you're getting up to the Tim Nelson speed, then you should be prepared to spend between 60 and 80 hours on your taxes. Hours. Ouch. No, thank you. <laughs> All I want to do is sign my name on the bottom line after reviewing, of course. <laughs> and if you can do that and spend an hour of your time, yes. it's much more high value, highest and best use of your time to get back to whatever it is you're doing to make money. Well, the, the other real key is besides having an expert you know, do the financials and prepare the taxes, it isn't just about this year. It's really going forward into the next year where you can now go, hey, maybe you missed it this year because you weren't thinking about it, or let's do something a little different with inventory or whatever so we can reduce even further next year. That's absolutely the case. In fact, uh, most of the clients like that, I get to fix somebody else's tax return. Uh So they come to me and they say, "Uh, Whiskey Tango Hilo, uh, my taxes are really high this year. Can you take a look at this? Can you fix it? Can you either uh, fix the current year tax return, or if it's already been filed, amend the current year tax return? Uh, And then, like you said, start looking at ways that we can reduce the taxes on a go-forward basis. Entity choice and entity selection, I know, is a favorite one of yours. Locality or geographic uh, representations and lowering state income taxes or self-employment taxes. There's just a number of ways we can do, given the nature of the business, uh, the structure of the business. There's even one company we moved to Puerto Rico. And so uh, just depending on how far the business owner can be engaged and what you're willing willing to do um, can go a long ways towards saving huge amounts of taxes. Yeah. And and the key is to, you know, I don't like surprises except on my birthday. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? And how many people just blindly are bumping along through the year? Here comes January, and oh my gosh, now I got to start thinking about it. it's too late. Already too late. Uh, at that point, I mean, there's nothing that we can do. Uh, I can't tell you the number of situations where I saw a trustee accidentally take IRA money out of a, a trust, um, you know, and cause the estate hundreds of thousands of dollars. This this last year was one of the ones that I've seen uh, most egregious in a long time. Uh, a gentleman in March told me that he forgot to tell me about a capital gain transaction he had in the previous August of $16 million. Ow. How do you forget that? Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to forget like I made to be $16 million. Dollars? My goodness. <laughs> But at that point, there's no opportunity for paying estimated taxes. The penalties on that are tens of thousands of dollars. And so, you know, I mean, it's enough to pay the tax yourself. But then to have to pay penalties and interest on top of that, nobody likes to do that. Absolutely. Well, Tim, we got to go to break. We come back. We're going to talk more about taxes because I want to dig into the new commerce tax that just hit the state of Nevada. We'll be right back. This is Tim Nelson, Certified Public Accountant at Evans, Nelson & Company CPAs. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she not only analyzes the financial transactions of a business, but she talks to business owners specifically about how to keep more money in their pocket. Sherry Hill is brilliant and creative. I'm Brian Cassidy, owner of Junk King Reno. We know you like a clean house and a clean yard, but sometimes things are too big, too heavy, or too much. That's when you should call us Junk King Reno. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business. Our team comes to your home to pick up what you need to dispose of. You don't need to gather it and haul it to the curb. We recycle and donate everything possible before we visit a landfill. We're fully insured and bonded. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. Junk King Reno, locally owned and operated. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. Nevada has long been considered a tax haven of sorts due to its business-friendly laws and minimal state-level taxes. All of that may have changed, however, on June 10, 2015, when Nevada Governor Brian Sandoval signed into law Senate Bill No. 483, enacting the state's annual commerce tax, which is part of an estimated $1.5 billion omnibus tax plan intended to bolster and fund the state's education system. My guest, Tim Nelson, owner and manager of Evans Nelson & Company CPAs, wore many hats, CFO, CEO, president, and several other executive titles to some very large national companies as well as international conglomerates before deciding to serve the Northern Nevada community where he started his management consulting company and CPA practice. Well, welcome, Tim. Thanks, Sherry. Always (laughs) good to be here. Always love chatting with you. 
So, for the privilege of engaging in a business in Nevada, we're now subject to the commerce tax. So, let's share with our listeners what all of us can expect as we grapple with this new law. So, there's uh, there's some changes that have uh, come, um, and a lot of businesses uh, doing business in the state of Nevada aren't really too aware of them yet. Uh, if I compare uh, business on a June 30th of 2015 and prior, as composed to uh, compared to a July 1st, 2015 and subsequent, uh, a couple of things have changed. About four things have changed uh, d- directly related to businesses. First one is uh, your filing fees. Your secretary, state officers, and directors lists uh, have gone up by 25 bucks. Uh, they had been 125 bucks before. Most other filing fees have increased as well. Um, but if you're saying, hey, that's 25 bucks a year, maybe that's not so bad. Uh, but now, if you're a corporation in the state of Nevada, last year your secretary of state, uh, Nevada State Business License was 200 bucks. Now it went to $500. So uh, what's that, 150% increase over the prior year? Yes. But let's say even you can deal with that. You know, 25 bucks here, uh, 300 bucks a year, maybe that's not so bad. So now we get into the big ones. Uh, if you have payroll in the state of Nevada, uh, what used to be this modified business tax uh, was if your payroll was over $85,000 per quarter, you were subject to a 1.17% tax rate on that uh, for modified business. So as of July 1st, they lowered the threshold uh, from 85000 down to 50000 and they raised the rate from 1.1% to 1.475%. Now, again, those percentages don't sound all that horrible, but let's take uh, a local business I just did the payroll tax returns here for, uh, and they have uh, about $600,000 in payroll a year. So $150,000, $160,000 a quarter or so. Their modified business tax went from about a little between five and 600 bucks a year to 1300 Hmm. So Doubled. Now, All right. Yeah. 800 <laughs> bucks over the 500 bucks before. So mm-hmm. it's 160%. If you saw any other tax raise by 150%, you'd be up in arms. And businesses uh, that have payroll in the state are just finding out about that now because most of them don't, you know, pay attention to what's going on in the legislature. So now this uh, October, when they're paying it for the very first time, they're saying, hey, this is a little bit different. It's higher. What the heck's going on? But let's say even uh, that you're not a big payroll company. Let's say you only have sales in the state of Nevada. So this new commerce tax that they enacted says if you're over $4 million in sales annually, you get subject to, and I get say get instead of have to because we all pay our, all right, uh, get to pay this new commerce tax. Uh, and it, the rate depends on what industry you're in. Uh, this is a little bit different. They were th- thinking about doing a flat uh, rate f- across all industries, and there was huge, huge pushback from industries that have lower margin. If, for example, you're a gas station, uh, you're operating off a much smaller margin. So you may have $4 million in gasoline sales, but if you're only making $0.10 cents off of that $3.75 uh, gas price, then uh, basically the commerce tax would have put you upside down. So they modified it. There's 30 different rates, depending on which SIC or standard industrial classification that you use, which amount to about 0.2% of sales. So if you're over $4 million in sales, this could be huge. My own business uh, would be subject to about a $3,000 commerce tax uh, annually. And I'm a little CPA firm with 12 employees. Right. If I'm a big company with lots of sales, if I've been running sales through the state of Nevada um, for tax purposes as well, and I'm significantly over that, it could amount to a huge, huge tax uh, that you don't even you want, may not even be aware of. 
Right. Well, and the oddity of it is it's not based on your fiscal year end. It's on the state's. So it's like now everyone's going to have almost two sets of books because you've got to understand from, is it July 1 through June 30th, what you owe the state, and then your own, if you're a dis- January 1 through December 31, then you've got for the feds. I absolutely agree <laughs> with the one comment is I never recommend anybody keep two sets of books. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you're, you're so two, two different numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I but mean, you're absolutely confusing. right. Yeah, uh, that commerce tax is payable for the first time in July of next year. So if you're not aware of it, if you're not seeing it coming down, uh, you could have ten thousand, fifteen, twenty thousand dollar bill all of a sudden due in July of next year uh, with no inclination that it's coming. Right. Well, and the other thing, what I find interesting because most people they they didn't really think about this. We have to build a mini IRS in the state now. So that means that every single business is going to fill out tax forms, whether you owe the tax or not, because they have to determine whether you do. So how do they figure out who's lying, who's telling the truth, who should we audit, who should we enforce on? We've got to collect a whole bunch of data off of every business in the state. Absolutely. In fact, the conversations that I've had with the uh, unemployment auditors at the state of Nevada or the uh, modified business tax auditors uh, say that they're planning to add between 25 and 30 new bodies, uh, having difficulty filling those positions currently, um, but they have to have them up and running and educated by the time that they have to do. And you're absolutely right. Even if you're under that $4 million in revenue, you have to fill out the forms to say that you're not subject to those taxes. Right. But that still means then you have to have someone who can calculate from July 1 through June 30th, right? So again, it's it's a burden on the business owner to be in compliance. Yeah, apart from the tax themselves, the administrative burden uh, is uh, what I hear from business owners a lot. Uh, and it was pitched as a tax for only the most large business. Uh, and so, you know, if I've got a million or $2 million in sales, oh, don't worry, it doesn't impact you. Well, I think a lot of people will find out it actually does impact them, even if their business is below the $4 because all the businesses that they do business with that are over $4 million is going to directly impact their relationship with that. Well, and, and just, you know, for me, my industry, I mean, we were hugely against it. And I know it was sold as the education bill, and obviously everybody wants great education in the state. However, what they didn't anticipate was that – a huge part of the businesses in the state of Nevada. We don't have a lot of business here. We're a tiny state population-wise. And when you bring in, I think, active truly within our state, we're only looking at about 65,000 businesses. Now, we might have hundreds of thousands filing at the state level because of my industry that went out for many years and said incorporate in Nevada. All those people are going away. They are not happy with this. They don't want to fill out forms. They don't want to do any of this. And so when you think of the tax burden on about 64,000 companies to cover this $1.5 billion that the governor wants to collect... Do you think this $4 million threshold is going to hold? Well, if we've uh, taken any experience from other taxes, other tax jurisdictions, uh, they don't go away. They modify. 
uh, as we looked at right in the modified business tax that they passed in the very same tax package, it wasn't a change in that tax. They just lowered the threshold. So once they have the infrastructure in place, uh, it makes a perfect sense, uh, as you alluded to, that uh, they said, hey, it's not $4 million anymore. Now it's $3 million. What if it's $2 million? Oh, it's a million dollars. Oh, every business now is subject to some form of taxation. So it's a slippery slope. Yeah. And, and I see it coming because, you know, I'm dealing with it every day. And it, it really is frustrating because, and I'm just going to say it on air, Sandoval is the governor that goes down in history as shooting the golden goose. And we have told governor upon governor in this state, I've been doing this for over two decades. I've been working and bringing money into the state as a commercial registered agent and helping people file here. And now it's like, why did you touch that? Why? These people aren't putting their kids in their school. They're not driving on our roads. They're not impacting the state except writing a check every single year. It will be interesting to see how it all comes out. Those businesses that don't have an obligation to the state, that don't have a physical presence in the state, uh, are faced with a huge amount of options uh, now because they don't have to be here. Right. So as we're, you know, really looking at this commerce tax and still kind of tying into our last segment, which is year-end tax planning, this has to be a huge piece of what you're thinking about for next year. Yeah, if you're facing a, you know, a large tax bill and you have the opportunity to move your sales out of the state of Nevada, if you have your ability to move your payroll out of the state of Nevada, uh, then... um, you might very well make the the choice to move it somewhere else, uh, detriment to only the people that are left here. Right, right. So it's a big challenge, and you can tell I have a lot of passion around it and frustration around it and concern around it. And, you know, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg because they haven't written all the rules yet. They haven't even created the forms yet. True. Yet we are all obligated as of... Uh, July 1 that we're now we've just been enrolled (laughs) right (laughs) well three months ago now but yeah (laughs) we've just been enrolled to pay this tax and we don't even know how well let's take a definitional (laughs) question the definitional uh, is only four million dollars or more of Nevada sales so what's a Nevada sale do we borrow from the state of California that says if you're shipping from California out of state that's deemed a California sale if you're shipping from out of state into California that's a California sale how is Nevada going to write the rules to what's a Nevada sale or not exactly so they don't know yet and and like you said they're trying to hire a bunch of people and who wants to go to work there and it's not going to be 30 people it's going to be 50 or 60 because when you look at the entire process of collection and auditing and enforcement all we're going to do is grow bigger government so wake up nevada it's here And you need to be aware of it. If you're a business owner, you need to be thinking about it. And you need to reach out to someone like Tim, Tim Nelson of Nelson Evans CPAs, because you get it. You understand it and you can help us prepare. Well, there's all kinds of ways that we can do it if you're close. Do we break your business into a couple of different businesses with a husband and wife being separate owners? Can we do that uh, to avoid the attribution rules? Can we offsite your sales? Can we redefine the definition of your sales uh, such that you're not subject to this thing? So there's all kinds of aspects that we can attack to see, uh, can you be subject to it? Are you subject to it? Are you not subject to it? Right. So this is where sophistication comes in. 
And so those of us that know how to play the game of taxes typically win. (laughs) Those that don't, sorry. They're part of the 64,000 that end up writing the bigger check. Tim Nelson, things about taxes that you probably don't know. This is David Fries. I'm an attorney with Unruh, Turner, Burke, and Fries. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she provides so many powerful resources to me and to my clients, business people who are looking to protect and pass on their assets. Thank you, Sherry. Phil Johncock stopped by the studio today so we could talk about the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits, our conference that's coming to Reno November 5th and 6th at the Atlantis Resort and Casino. So, Phil, you and I are both involved with the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits. You're the executive director, and I sit on the board, and we really are passionate about educating nonprofits. Well, the first thing that they can expect right off the top is they're going to have networking opportunities to meet other people like themselves. It's uh, it's great if you're, whatever role you play with your nonprofit, whether you're a staff person, a board member, even a volunteer, you can meet others like you in the community. You're going to meet some of the top trainers around the country. So what we find is that most nonprofits send two to four members of their team because half sit in one track and half sit in the other. And now you have a well-rounded education after this conference. You're going to have different presenters. You're going to have different parts of every topic. So like you said, there's going to be takeaways. And that's really exciting because uh, that's what the participants have told us that they want for these events is they want to take something back to their office. So you've got your action plan, but you also got some real concrete takeaways from every workshop. This really applies whether you're a new nonprofit or well-established. Correct. So we're encouraging anyone that's committed to learning the vital skills to successfully motivate, lead, think creatively, and master the big picture in a highly interactive setting taught exclusively in this hands-on two-day conference, then Phil, we want them to register. Renoconference.org. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing you there. We want all nonprofits in the state to show up and participate. Absolutely. Is it that time of year to make an appointment? Are you in the market for a mammogram? Instead of a mammogram, why not consider making an appointment for a thermogram? Thermograms are the modern, safe alternative to a mammogram. By mapping known thermal changes in the breast tissue that occur when disease is present, a very early detection can be noted and addressed. This breast screening method is totally safe at any age for any type or condition of the breast. And best of all, it is painless, does not involve any breast compression, no physical contact, and no radiation exposure. A certified medical trainer specialist can determine the abnormal changes in a woman's breast. Thermography is not a standalone examination. Along with your physician's direction, the proper secondary screening can be determined should the thermal image indicate a problem. For a free consultation on whether or not this is the right choice for you, call Thermal Imaging Consultants today, 356-0200. That's 356-0200. Or check them out on the web at thermogramexam.com. The goal of owning a business isn't just to get rich. It's to create something sustainable. If you're good enough at what you do, if you understand the business end of your business, and if you throw in a little luck, and if, if, if. It seems to me that part of our goal in business should include sustainability. 
I have no interest in being rich for a week or healthy for three days or in a great relationship for one month. I want what I want for the rest of my life. Staying good at anything requires learning and executing the right skills and tools and then practicing them over and over. Business is no different. If you want to sustainably succeed, you must learn how to identify and diagnose the activities which are sabotaging your financial results and then know how to correct those mistakes so that the result you desire can be achieved. My guest, Tim Nelson, owner of Evans Nelson & Company CPAs, who believes that a fresh pair of eyes will equal a lot of savings and can make sure your business is stable and financially secure. Welcome, Tim. Thanks, Sherry. Absolutely. Great to be here. Yes. So something I learned many years ago is measure results, change activities. The problem is most people don't know what to measure, how to measure, what it all means, and what to change. Right. When businesses run into trouble uh, and they come see me, most often they don't even know why they're in trouble. Uh, I've made uh, a lot of money helping people uh, avoid bankruptcy or helping them through the process of uh, bankruptcy from an accountant standpoint uh, because they didn't even understand the metrics of their business. What makes them successful? Is it the number of deals? Is it the number of revenue? Is it the number of employees? Uh, and so they might have a sense of what it is, but you know, being able to pull back the skin and the muscle and see what the bones and the inner workings are, what are the three to five metrics that really govern your industry? What are the three to five metrics really govern your business uh, and understanding those and applying those. Right. So, you know, we hear the terms, you know, scorecard, KPIs, all these things, which a lot of people, you know, the language of business is foreign to them to begin with. But if I'm a small business owner or a mid-sized business owner, certainly in the large companies, they've mastered these principles because they have the CFOs and all these people on the team. If I'm starting out or, again, just a couple of years in business, I mean, really, how do I, how do I identify what do I measure? Yeah, when uh, when you see it in the national news and the big multinational company drops uh, anticipates a drop of six percent, the very next day there's fourteen thousand jobs. You know we're going across the thing and they're cutting. It's because they know what's going on. They know what's coming down the pipe. So it's not enough to have good financial statements from a historical standpoint, but that's the starting point. Understanding where you've been is the best indicator of hey what's to come. Knowing what's to come uh, and having a, a, the best uh, perspective as on it that you can leads to your ability to maneuver, to make decisions, to cut if you need to cut, um, and understanding your business like we talked about. So service businesses um, and, you know, how do you revenue per employee? I've heard that used. Um, Retail businesses, uh, the number of revenue per square foot. Restaurant business, the number of turns, the number of times that you can turn that table and get a new uh, ticket in. Um, But really, even getting down to uh, the... In the restaurant business, for example, uh, revenue by hour. You know, in the morning time, do you really need to overstaff, um, you know, for people that aren't coming in? Well, certainly, if you're a breakfast operation, you absolutely need to do that. If you're a lunch and dinner operation, you know, you open for the convenience of your um, people, maybe you've been overstaffing this time and you can cut expenses in a huge way without really negatively uh, affecting your revenue line. So it's, it's really being clear on the source of revenue. I mean, that's a great place to start, right? 
I say break it down into the adds, subtracts, multiplies, and divides. If you really understand your business, what, how you drive revenue, uh, how you drive profitability, uh, it really comes down to the four add, subtract, multiply, and divide. And if we can break your, uh, your business down into those few component units, we can usually come up with those three to five levers that you really drive revenue. All right. One of the ways that I learned this many years ago from a gentleman that did a lot of uh, teaching, and he did a ton of stuff with Tony Robbins, but he owned a car wash. And so he knew, you know, if it was a rainy day, of course, he wasn't going to make as much money, which the fear wasn't, oh, that one day is going to put me out of business. But he knew over the course of that month, I need this many cars going through. I need this many upsells for wax. I need this, that, and that. And so if you had a week of rainy days, then something has to change by the end of the month to meet the monthly nut. That's right? You can't just go blindly, right? <laughs> you could, and then I get to advise you in the bankruptcy court. <laughs> right. <laughs> so every single business has something to measure. Absolutely, yes. Uh, and again, it varies from industry to industry because um, – you know, the utilization time and a big excavator, for example, the number of hours of utilization that I use those big cats. Uh, so if I got a scraper or a dozer or something like that, there's an X number of hours and that translates to a percentage of available hours in the month that I need to keep that machine going so that I can make money. All right. So great. Now we're measuring. Now we understand. But I mean, one of the toughest things when you're a business owner is to make those changes. Right. So when you say, oh, gosh, I've got a, you know, in the big companies, we read it in the paper, you know, we're going to lay off 8,000 people. Typically, that's the first time they learn about it is in the newspaper. But it's a huge challenge for the small business owner because we're talking about people. Right. Vendors, suppliers, people that we're going to impact and affect based on these decisions. And that's why uh, oftentimes I see small business owners are slower to react because they're closer to it. If you only have 12 people, then it's really, really difficult to let one or two go. If you have 12,000, those are nameless, faceless, you know, hey, I can make that, you know, whack um, a whole lot more comfortably. It still sometimes doesn't feel good knowing you're letting 8,000 people go across the nation, but you don't have to stand in front of them and say, here's your final paycheck. See ya. That's the emotional side of business that, you know, every business guru, there's no emotion in business. Well, guess what? There is. And that applies across, uh, you know, I mean, in not-for-profit world. No money, there's no mission. Uh, So if you can't do the things to uh, let the not-for-profit thrive, then you're absolutely. So you don't look at it as a small business owner when you have those 12 employees. You don't look at it as I let two people go. You looked at it as I saved 10 jobs. Right. Thank you. I like that. psychology shift. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to the Sherry Hill Show with guest Tim Nelson, owner of Evans Nelson and Company CPAs. And of course, we're talking about sustainability. Yes, sustainability is a word used in the nonprofit world day in and day out. It's not always used in the for-profit world. I mean, it's just not something we think about. How do we build in sustainability? You are a small business consultant as well as being a CPA, very well-rounded in how you help your clients. But when you talk about sustainability, I mean, what are the things that I could be looking at? You know, it's interesting that the people who really get it, the business owners uh, that get sustainability, I believe don't talk about it because it's 
inherent. They accept it as part of what they do. Uh, and so it's those people that are either uh, accelerating uh, quickly, growing, decelerating quickly, uh, having to shut off their layers, that this really becomes a focus for them. Uh, when you're little and you're growing, uh, that kind of thing, there's a lot of times when you're making a bunch of money and not seeing of it, because any of it, because it's going back into growth. And so you're saying, hey, I need to move, I need to change, I need to make myself sustainable. Well, now you reach that, you know, plateau, that bell curve where you're kind of up at top and you're like, huh, this feels pretty comfortable now. And so that comfort level, you know, it kind of becomes a part of you. And only when you start to increase again or when you start to decrease again substantially, that's when it really becomes relevant. And you go, holy crap, I better do something. Right. And, and usually if you're not in tune with it, which again, a lot of business owners that finally, okay, I got the message of delegation. So the first thing I delegate is my bookkeeping, right? Yeah. And now I'm not, I'm not the one that's, you know, printing out the, the payables and, and paying the bills and all of that. And I lose touch. What do you recommend for people about that? <laughs> Boy, the bigger the ship, the less the captain knows what's going on below decks. And so your key as an executive in a growing company, when you get big enough where you can't personally do it, you have to have a dedicated, reliable, honest person in that role. And honest, I mean, not only honest in keeping the books and not stealing from you, but being bold enough and brave enough to tell you as the business owner, you're really screwing some stuff up here and you need and to call it to the attention. And so uh, that honesty, that open culture, that open environment uh, goes a long ways towards identifying problems before they become too big to handle. Well, and, and that's where, you know, no offense to Aunt Sally, but Aunt Sally maybe shouldn't be your head bookkeeper anymore, right? <laughs> I, I, my statistics say about 80% of the time, Aunt Sally should not be your bookkeeper. Right. Uh, spouses, uh, family members, friends, uh, that kind of thing. Even sometimes uh, when they have proper accounting training. Because if all of a sudden I'm working for Uncle Joe and it's Uncle Joe's business and I'm his niece, I may not be bold enough to say, Uncle Joe, you're screwing it up. Right. Right, exactly, because those uh, holiday dinners won't be so pleasant, <laughs> right? Well, but this all, again, ties back into measuring and, and changing those activities. And so the first obvious piece of advice is, is figuring out what to measure, yeah, both quantitatively and qualitatively. Uh, one of the numbers uh, that we measure in our practice is the number of new clients. And then we go further and we condition those clients. So we go and rank those clients and say, hey, are they a good referral source? Uh, do they bring in a large amount of revenue? What is the likelihood? Are the owners engaged? I mean, talk about how to measure a qualitative thing. But there's no better client to have than a client who's really engaged in the own financial aspects of their business. So, you know, we assign, a, you know, a one to five ranking system on how well the owners are engaged. But there's no better way to see that they're going to be successful successful than that they're interested in their own business. Right, exactly. So yeah, it's this isn't rocket science, but it is definitely a way to get a handle on your business. And once you have that handle on the business, decision making, I would believe, gets much easier. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the important thing is to determine what to measure, begin to measure it, and then uh, already have defined on how to act. If all of a sudden sales drop by 
you already have uh, the decision made. If sales drop by 10%, then we need to X, Y, Z, whatever X, Y, Z is. And then it makes it much easier because everybody's operating under the shared language, under the shared understanding of what's going to happen. Right. So do you believe then in transparency within the business? I mean, the old days of the owners, the only one that knows what's going on. Today's generation, they want to understand what's going on and how they're contributing. I've seen it both ways, but I would agree that the younger generation wants to know more. They want to be involved. I think that in the younger generation, and again, for the higher that we climb the mountain, the more the younger generation looks younger. There's more younger generation. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. But they want to be involved. They want to believe that they're part of something. They want to believe that they're contributing to success in a very material way. What we have yet to see in any significant way is, does that mean, and and now that you've been sharing this with them all the time, do they believe that they're entitled to a bigger share of the pie? Ah. And so uh, I don't think, in some companies, I've absolutely seen that. I've I've seen people, engineering firms, lose uh, key talent because, hey, if that's the case and I'm only sharing in a 10% profitability pool, something like that, I can do much better on my own. Whereas if they didn't know, maybe they would not have made that choice. Mm -hmm. Tim Nelson, owner of Evans Nelson & Company CPAs. We're talking one of my favorite languages, the language of business. I'm Brian Cassidy, owner of Junk King Reno. We know you like a clean house and a clean yard, but sometimes things are too big, too heavy, or too much. That's when you should call us Junk King Reno. We're the professionals in the junk and rubbish removal business. Our team comes to your home to pick up what you need to dispose of. You don't need to gather it and haul it to the curb. We recycle and donate everything possible before we visit a landfill. We're fully insured and bonded. Call Junk King Reno, 888-888-JUNK. Junk King Reno, locally owned and operated. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. Is it that time of year to make an appointment? Are you in the market for a mammogram? Instead of a mammogram, why not consider making an appointment for a thermogram? Thermograms are the modern, safe alternative to a mammogram. By mapping known thermal changes in the breast tissue that occur when disease is present, a very early detection can be noted and addressed. This breast screening method is totally safe at any age for any type or condition of the breast. And best of all, it is painless, does not involve any breast compression, no physical contact, and no radiation exposure. A certified medical trainer specialist can determine the abnormal changes in a woman's breast. Thermography is not a standalone examination. Along with your physician's direction, the proper secondary screening can be determined should the thermal image indicate a problem. For a free consultation on whether or not this is the right choice for you, call Thermal Imaging Consultants today, 356-0200. That's 356-0200. Or check them out on the web at thermogramexam.com. Hello, this is Jeff Hyman, your startup therapist, and I will be on the Sherry Hill Show next weekend, Saturday at 5 o'clock p.m., Sunday at 8 o'clock a.m. on 99.1 FM Talk. 
It's lonely at the top, and I'm going to teach you how to hire the best qualified rock stars in just days. I'm talking about A players who are cut out for startup life. Please join me right here on the Sherry Hill Radio Show. Sherry Hill is the wealth protection diva. Passionate conversation around all the different aspects of taxes with a good friend, Tim Nelson, who is a CPA, and he is the owner of Evans Nelson and Company CPAs. Taxes, IRS representation, should you get audited. He is a small business consultant and brings a huge fresh perspective and real insight into what it takes to grow, sustain, and have a successful business. So, Tim, you know, in thinking about, obviously, you know, taxes is a big issue for a lot of people, and, you know, it it gets really present in our, our mind, you know, beginning of the year, but one of the things that we haven't really talked about, yeah, we're all upset for the commerce, well, maybe not everybody, but over the commerce tax, but we also have the federal side that we have to think about, and that's changing all the time, and some cool things that were are not anymore. Talk about that. <laughs> well, uh, what we were talking about earlier and, and being very passionate about, uh, it's kind of funny to combine the words taxation and passion in the same <laughs> sentence, but uh, but we seem to make it work. Uh, one of the things we were talking about uh, here was the tax extension bill. So in 2014, uh, Congress finally got around to extending a lot of the tax uh, deductions, tax credits, uh, that kind of thing, um, in the very last days of the congressional session in 2014. It was like December 12th or 13th. And uh, President Obama finally signed the tax extension bill into law on December 18th. Well, if you, uh, as we talked about before, tax planning is so key, uh, don't have a tax extension bill that's passed until December 18th for the current year, you've got about 13 days before you can do any tax planning. So here we are, what, uh, 10 and a half months roughly into 2015 with no tax extension bill. So let's say that you're a heavy equipment uh, contractor and you're looking at buying a new piece of equipment, a grader or something like that that costs you a quarter million or $300,000. If you did that in 2014, they retroactively did the tax bill at the beginning of the year and you could write that equipment off all in the first year if you so elected. In 2015, under the current law, the cap on that special, it's called Section 179, expensing election, is 25000 So now, if all of a sudden I've got this great new contract and it's, you know, uh, bringing me all kinds of revenue, I decide, hey, I'm going to invest in capital equipment of 300000 and your immediate deduction is $25,000, then you're ended up paying tax on a whole bunch of revenue that you have this year when you've really invested in something that's going to sustain your company for years to come in that greater, presuming that you take care of it. There's really no ability to tax plan. So uh, a client come into me today, uh, or this week rather, and said, hey, should I buy that $300,000 greater? And I said, hell if I know. I said, uh, you know, I'd like to be able to tell you to do it. I said, Congress says they're going to do it. Uh, But the 435 members in Washington, D.C., what happens if they don't? We saw that. And, you know, and and most of the time you can kind of predict how Congress is going to go. But uh, let's take our estate tax in 2010. And they were so focused in March uh, for actually passing Affordable Care Act, which we're experiencing uh, again this year, uh, that they neglected this estate tax. And if you died in 2010, you could have really paid no estate tax whatsoever. 
And so uh, when you're advising clients, uh, you pull out the crystal ball and you say, maybe this, what about that? It looks like this. But how great would it be for Congress to get together and pass laws in advance so that we know going into 2016 what the rules are going to be? Right, right. Well, I do have a crystal ball right there, (laughs) so I'm going to ask you to use that for us. But (laughs) (laughs) Little cloudy. (laughs) When you think about all the different types of taxes... When you sit down with them, what do you own? What do you owe? What are you going to sell? How do we know that you're going to be okay tax-wise from the consulting side of the brain? <laughs> Absolutely, because yeah. everybody's circumstance is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so am I saving income taxes at the expense of estate tax? Am I saving capital gains tax at the effect of a gift tax, something like that? So you really have to understand to do it properly. You really have to understand what the client's basket of goodies are. I had a gentleman who was worth about $450 million, no estate plan, no trust, no desire to give to charity. And I said, well, you're going to end up paying almost half of your estate by the time you're all done in estate taxes when you're gone. And in that case, he was okay with it. Most people would not be. Oh, I mean, (laughs) that's exactly right. How do I benefit my children? So so we said thank you to him because he covered our portions, right? (laughs) If done properly, I hope to never pay any estate tax whatsoever. So yes, in that case, he covered mine and hopefully yours as well. That's the reality of it. There's a great opportunity to do some good planning all the way around because if you do want to give it to Uncle Sam, feel free. Warren Buffett said, if you ever think that you're paying too little tax, all you got to do is write a check. Right. But how many people overpay their taxes because they don't have clarity around all of this? Bottom line is you've got to reach out to an excellent CPA. Tim, your contact information. It is tnelson at ENCPA's email address, website encpas.com, and main telephone number 775-825-6008. Awesome. And, and the value that you bring to your clients in really a holistic approach is not just looking at numbers and filing returns. It's really drilling down and helping people do those measurements, understand if you're going to be in business as an individual, you know, when is the right time to sell that investment property or pull your money out of your IRA so that you don't penalize yourself. Right. Really, it's the language of business you talked about. And we operate as your financial translator to help you make the decisions that are right for your life. Yeah. Frank Abagnale says, I never wanted to be a millionaire. I just wanted to live like one. (laughs) I might be doing that. (laughs) (laughs) What a privilege to have you here. And certainly you've got a lot of information on your website. I've tapped into your knowledge quite a bit. I bring you up and help me with my next level class, and we have a great time. I and, love it. and what a, always an eye opening experience. Yeah, and it's great. And uh, really, just to see the number of different ways that we can apply the same rules to, to benefit a huge myriad of people who are enthusiastic about their own futures. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. And I know our paths are going to cross again soon. I can't wait. Thanks, Sherry. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on Facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show. And tune in next week, same time, same station, for The Sherry Hill Show.